A woman was having sexual intercourse with her partner. During sex, she felt a sharp pain with clitoral stimulation. She thought to herself, well, that's weird, and ignored it, expecting it to go away. And it didn't. But then it happened again, during sex the next time, and again, and again. Soon the pain became constant. It was there all the time, even without any sexual contact. After a few months, the pain was so severe that even wearing underwear was painful. The pain was no longer worsened with just pressure and stimulation, but now the pain was unbearable even with the brushing of a cloth. She started wearing baggy pants, her life started to revolve around the pain, and she wanted to know, what is happening in her body? Why was the pain bearable before and now even the slightest touch was causing pain? Why were so many different healthcare professionals involved? Because she was tired of telling everyone her story over and over again. Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alopi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. So on today's episode, we're going to discuss a multidisciplinary approach to pelvic pain. Multidisciplinary, meaning that many professionals from different specialties and areas of expertise are involved in the care of the patient. Now, some of this episode might seem dry, but it's so important to discuss to even begin to understand chronic pelvic pain. Pelvic pain is a challenging problem to deal with, and to treat it really does take a village. Because pelvic pain is such a complex issue involving many different organ systems, there really is no correct way or even algorithm to diagnose and treat many of the sources of pain. So in today's episode, we'll be talking about a few of the healthcare professionals you may encounter on your journey of treating pelvic pain, as well as the diagnosis approach. Oftentimes, depending on the pain generator or the source of the pelvic pain, patients may manifest symptoms such as burning with urination, pain with defecation, lower abdominal pain, sharp pain in their vagina, cramps, and more. The pelvic floor is such a complex and intricate connection of muscles, nerves, bones, and tissue, so that an issue with one aspect of the pelvic floor can trigger a domino effect of irritation to surrounding structures. And actually, the pelvic floor is an often forgotten aspect of our body, in both males and females. If you really think about it, our pelvic floor is literally supporting our body. The chest cavity, the abdominal cavity, both sit on top of the pelvic cavity. The torso of our body is surrounded by muscles, including a muscle called the diaphragm, which separates the abdominal cavity and the chest cavity. If you think of the torso as an oblong, the torso is supported by a group of muscles all around it called the core. Now, traditionally, when we say core muscles, we assume that's just the abdominal muscles, but really the core is made up of four sets of muscles, on the top, bottom, front, and back. So the topmost aspect of the core is the diaphragm, the back is made up of the back muscles, the front is made up of the abdominal muscles, and the bottom is made up of the pelvic floor muscles. So in this intricate connection of muscles of the pelvic floor, the pelvic floor really does experience the stress of the core. And as we've mentioned before, 
the muscles, nerves, bones, and tissue in the pelvic floor are closely connected. So if any aspect of this delicate balance is irritated, whether through pregnancy, falls, or even stress, then it can trigger a cycle of pain. Now remember that the pelvic floor also supports the pelvic organs such as the bladder, bowel, and the uterus in females. This intricate group of muscles are also important for bladder and bowel control as well as sexual function. So if you think of the pelvic floor as a bowl, it's holding a lot of organs. And as you can tell after Dr. P's explanation of the core, the pelvic floor also holds stress of the abdominal cavity. That's a lot of stress for this one muscle group that we take for granted. Think about how often you have neck pain or upper back or lower back pain when you're either stressed or dehydrated or have poor posture. That's often due to muscle strain in those muscle groups. So if your muscles can tense there and hold stress there, they can also hold stress in your pelvic floor muscles, which is often overlooked as a source of pain since it may manifest in various ways. So with that Anatomy 101 lesson, let's get into some potential sources of pelvic pain and why that means many professionals may be involved in getting you back to feeling your best. So we talked about the muscles being a source of the pain, but the pain can also come from nerves such as the genitofemoral nerve, obturator nerve, or the pudendal nerve, which is a major nerve in the pelvic region. We will have a full podcast dedicated to that. Pain can also come from bones such as the ischial tuberosity, also known as your sit bones, as well as your coccyx, which is known as your tailbone. And another common pain generator from tissue includes vulvodynia or vestibulodynia, which is pain in or surrounding the vagina. Now, because the pelvic floor holds organs such as the bladder, bowel, and uterus, these too can be sources of pain. So for example, bladder irritation can cause pain with urination and also cause pelvic floor muscle dysfunction from tensing of muscles with urination. Same goes for the bowel. Rectal pain from sources such as inflammatory bowel disease, multiple sclerosis, and cancer can all cause pain localized in that area, but also recruit the muscles to spasm and cause pain diffusely. It's important to think of the nerves and muscles as being intertwined, where one can trigger the other because everything is, after all, connected. And lastly, the uterus with its low location in the abdomen can also cause this lower abdominal and pelvic floor pain. So already by going through the anatomy of the contents of the pelvic cavity, you can notice that many professionals may be involved in the care of the patient, including a gynecologist, urologist for the bladder, a GI doctor for the bowel, as well as a physical therapist for the pelvic floor muscles. And often other doctors, such as physiatrists and interventional pain physicians, may also need to be involved for pain treatments. And I also want to mention that as interventional pain physicians, we're actually not the first physicians you should see. I often tell my patients, if they're seeing me, it means something hasn't worked. And many of my pelvic pain patients come to me at a wide range of time, either almost immediately as their problem has begun, or after they've tried many different treatments that didn't work, or sometimes in the middle. We always suggest to be evaluated sooner than later. Now, as we spoke about earlier, there's an intricate balance of the muscle tension in your pelvic floor and physical stress which can be further worsened by social stressors, poor sleep, or poor nutrition. For these aspects, we may recommend that you see a psychotherapist for cognitive behavioral therapy, a nutritionist, sleep specialist, or even someone for acupuncture or other alternative treatments. There are so many people that are needed in the treatment plan and really can help treat pelvic pain, but they need to be utilized in the appropriate manner and effectively. So let's talk about the general flow of who to see and when. 
So usually, when any pain starts down there, depending on where it's located or the severity of it, patients may first see their primary care physician or even their gynecologist. The second line of physicians that they may see are urologists or even GI doctors, also known as gastroenterologists. So as a pain physician, I often have patients come to me either as their first or second doctor that they've seen for their pelvic pain. And to be honest, most of the time your pain doctor wants you to have already seen a gynecologist first, if you're a female. We work very closely in conjunction with gynecologists, and they play vital roles in the workup of pain generators for the pelvic region. So as much as we love seeing our patients, we really should not be the first to lay eyes on you in terms of the pelvic pain, which is unlike other sources of pain in the body. So after you've been assessed by the gynecologist or urologist, they will often refer you to other physicians as needed, whether that's a GI doctor or colorectal surgeon even. You may also be recommended to see a pelvic floor physical therapist while seeing other physicians, because like we mentioned, any stress in other parts of the body can affect the pelvic floor muscles. So after you've had the appropriate workup and initial treatments, whether with medications or procedures, if you're still experiencing pelvic pain, you may be referred to see either a physiatrist, which is a physical medicine doctor, or us as interventional pain physicians. And even though they often offer similar treatments, there are also differences in their treatment of pelvic pain based on whether it requires an ultrasound-guided approach, x-ray-guided approach, or even a manual or hands-on approach to the treatment of the pain. And there is also a role for other professionals such as acupuncturists, psychologists, nutritionists, and sleep specialists. So often I have patients that ask if they should get acupuncture therapy, and even though it may not be completely therapeutic, meaning curing their pain completely, it may still help with some pain reduction. And this is important when pelvic pain is consuming your life, that even small amounts of pain reduction can go a long way. This all ties into a multidisciplinary approach in addressing pelvic pain, and each professional has their role. So as Dr. P mentioned, as pain physicians, we really are seeing you after at least one or two physicians have evaluated you and something has not worked, which is why you may be assessed for a pain injection. And these injections can vary from injections into muscles or near nerves that are inflamed or near bones. We listen to each patient's story and create a personalized plan according to their pain generator. Yes, you touched on something so important. We listen. History and physical are both important parts of medical diagnosis, but in pelvic pain especially, the history can give us so much information. So we may ask you questions, of which some may even make you feel uncomfortable, such as details about defecation or orgasm or penetration, but these are important to understand the source of the pain and to treat appropriately, whether it is through an injection or medication or a referral to the appropriate person. And I also want to mention that it's important that we see our patients earlier than later. It's best to be evaluated if you may be a candidate for an injection that may help decrease the inflammation sooner rather than later. And like most of the other injections that can be done, it's best to have injections while also undergoing physical therapy to really get that optimal effect. That injection can decrease inflammation in the area, which will reduce the pain and allow you to better participate in physical therapy it's really hard to get the most out of physical therapy if your pain is unbearable. I also want to mention, while we're on the topic of physical therapy, that pelvic PT can be quite involved. So unlike other parts of the body which don't require internal work as in going through an orifice, pelvic PT, due to the nature of the muscles involved, requires internal work via the vagina and sometimes the rectum as well. 
And it's important that we share this with you as our audience because we don't want you to be alarmed when you go for PT. You know, with Dr. P and I personally, the physical therapists that we refer to are trained professionals with years of experience and have really good outcomes with our patients. And they often implement other therapies such as biofeedback, which is a system to understand how muscles may react to stressors, whether emotional or mental or physical, and then train them to respond differently so as not to cause pain. This is a way to take that mind-body connection to another level. So now let's talk about how we as interventional pain physicians assess patients when they present for an initial evaluation. So along with a detailed history, we will do a general physical, abdominal exam, and comprehensive musculoskeletal exam. And like we mentioned before, we always ensure you have a gynecologist on the treatment team for a vaginal exam, which assesses the cervix, uterus, as well as the vagina and vulva. It is outside our scope of practice to examine these structures with the full attention that they deserve, and so it is required to have a gynecologist on the team. For men who present to us with pelvic pain, and yes, men too can have pelvic pain, which we will be discussing in future podcasts actually, so yes, men who present with pelvic pain similarly should be seen by a urologist for the same reasons of having a comprehensive exam to assess for any primary causes of the pain. And if there is a source of rectal pain, then we ensure there is a GI doctor or colorectal surgeon on the team for similar reasons. So we talked about the multidisciplinary professionals on the team, we talked about history and physical, Let's talk a little bit about the main determinants of creating a treatment plan as pain physicians. As pain physicians, you may recall from our previous podcast that we really are looking for sources of pain as pertaining to muscles, nerves, and bones or joints. And by identifying these potential pain generators, we're also teasing out what the pain pathway is. So generally speaking, there are two categories of how pain can be described either neuropathic or nociceptive, and this is due to different perception of pain by the brain. Nociceptive pain is essentially pain felt due to tissue inflammation, while neuropathic pain is pain due to actual damage or inflammation of the nerve. Nociceptive pain can be further differentiated into somatic and visceral. Somatic pain is pain located in the musculoskeletal region, such as bones and joints, while visceral pain is due to organs, so it's organ-related pain. So overall, when we see a patient, we're essentially identifying, after a history and physical, what type of nerve is causing the pain. Is it neuropathic? Is it somatic? Or is it visceral? And based on that, we can create a treatment plan, because not all treatments are the same for each type of pain. Exactly. And based on what types of nerves are being involved, we can offer various injections that either target the specific peripheral nerves, nerve roots, or even a chain of sympathetic nerves, meaning nerves that are involved in your fight or flight response, but also send pain signals. So really a lot of our treatment comes down to understanding the nerves that are causing the pain. And while we're talking about nerves being involved, let's mention the concept of central sensitization. Central sensitization is the concept of the nervous system developing chronic pain once an initial trigger has been experienced. Once the initial insult occurs, a process called wind-up causes the nervous system to go into a persistently higher state of reactivity with any trigger, whether small or big. Think of it as banging your knee. The first time you bang your knee, it's okay, even though you feel a short duration of dull, achy pain. But if you were to bang your knee over and over and over again, non-stop for hours, then after a while, someone even gently touching your knee will feel painful. That is essentially what happens when a patient develops central sensitization. Even any minor pain can feel excruciating. So if we think back to the example at the beginning of the episode, 
That is exactly what was happening. The process of central sensitization created chronic pelvic pain so that any trigger, including even the touch of an underwear, caused excruciating pain. Exactly. And this occurs so frequently in chronic pelvic pain patients. Even though the initial trigger can be anything from childbirth to trauma or surgery, once the insult occurs, some patients can develop wind-up phenomenon and develop chronic pain in the pelvic region that even something like constipation or penetration can be extremely painful. This is why it's important for patients to be seen sooner rather than later when they develop persistent pain. Technically, the definition of chronic pain is pain that lasts for more than three months, but patients with debilitating pain should really be seen sooner. And the sooner you see the correct physicians, the sooner they can treat your pain, and the less likely the chances are of developing chronic pain. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode to understand the pelvic region a bit more in our crash course in pelvic pain. We will have many more podcasts dedicated to different sources of pelvic pain in the future, as well as professionals from different fields next season, so we can continue educating you, our audience. See you next time. We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at thefemalepaindocs for more content. Send us an email at thefemalepaindocs at gmail if you have any topics in particular you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.